Hey everybody, it's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up, or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. The following program is presented for entertainment purposes. WCHQ does not necessarily endorse the ideas presented. Fearscape is a program that explores the legends and lore around many creepy and scary things. Information is researched and presented in an entertainment fashion and is presented based off of what we found. The legends have a way of changing over time. So, beware. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I'm taking selfies. Fearscape FM here on WCHQ 100.9 on the FM dials. And also on the WCHQ app. And the WCHQFM.com website. I'm your host, <laughs> Stefan Gearhart. As always, joined with me is my co-host with the most, John Cena. John, no, your name's not John Cena. Oh. Oh, sorry. Let's 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 read that again one more time. With my co-host, with the most host, Mister Brad. That's it. Just get Brad. <laughs> thank you guys so much for tuning in taking uh, selfies letting people know what we're doing yeah taking selfies uh thank you guys for tuning in we've got a cool episode we are going to be visiting another county uh exploring the haunted whatso whatevers of the whatso county and uh we are going to be exploring the ghosts of union county kentucky uh, have they paid their dues? They have not paid their I dues. I made that joke off the air and got no laugh, yep. and it still didn't get so, so you tried it again. Uh, they've yeah. also got Jimmy Hoffa hiding up there. I don't get um, it. But anyways, uh, we are going to uh, scooch straight on through uh, Creepy Ketchup because we discussed earlier. Still nothing. <laughs> three weeks solid with nothing, which I, I'll be honest with you, I don't mind. No, especially after your uh, orangutan goblin thing in uh, last week's episode, you're like, oh no, yeah, I talked. Was about, it them? Was it them? Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm okay. I don't have anything, and I'm totally okay with that. Uh, you know, just for news purposes, I wish there was something, but uh, me personally, I'm good to go. I wish. I wish there was something that wasn't haunting me, but here we are. Here we go. So let's go ahead and slide right into spooky news. News. <laughs> <laughs> the echo continued. The echo continued through the, through the theme song. <laughs> so I have uh, last week I shared something from Mufon, and I have something else this week. Cool. I love me some Mufon. I'm all in the aliens. <laughs> I love Mufon too. Give me the aliens. Give me the aliens. So North Carolina witnesses say that an object was seen twice the size of their house. Ooh, that's huge. Oh yeah. Unless they live in a trailer. Uh, that's true. Or, or a tiny they, house. Yeah, or if they live in like one of the tiny houses. <laughs> right. <laughs> they live in their car. Yeah. It was twice the size of my house. <laughs> it was the size of a Ford F-350. No offense to anybody lives in their cars. I'm just, for size 
reasons here. You know, banana, tomato, tomato, whatever. A North Carolina witness at Monroe reported watching a large circular object moving overhead, according to testimony in case 88851 from the Mutual UFO Network Witness Reporting Database. Which is interesting because last week we shared something about a triangle. Now we have a circle. Circle gets the square. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. The event you began. You don't. You do know pop culture. I know some. <laughs> <laughs> the event began at 11:40 p.m. on December 17, 2017. The uh, witness is quoted in saying, "I have four dogs living with my wife and myself. My German Shepherd, Captain, is a very smart dog and is also very protective of me and my family. Nothing gets around my house. We have three and a half acres." My wife had gone to bed, and I was up late watching a movie. The dogs were laying around me sleeping. Captain sat up, and it looked to me like he heard something. We have a lot of deer around, and where we live, and I assumed that's what he heard. So just like I've said before, when your animal witnesses or senses something, get ready. Run. Run. Leave the wife. Run. (laughs) Grab the dog and leave the wife. (laughs) The witness got up to let the dog out. Why'd you do that? <laughs> Quoted saying, I put him on a leash and took him out. Usually he will pull and tug at the leash, but this time was different. He stood in the driveway and turned his head at an angle like he does when he hears police sirens. And he said, nah, brah. Nah, we ain't going out there. <laughs> but I heard nothing. That's when every hair in my body raised. Goosebumps on my arms and on Captain. The hair rose up on the center of his back from his neck to his tail like it does when he's about to attack, which I have taught him. But when the dog looked up over its shoulder, so did the witness. Quote, Moving just above the treetops was a disc, for better words, twice the size of my house in diameter. It was lighter than the sky, but the light was very dull. Moving about as fast as someone jogging, I watched it pass almost directly over my house. Slightly to the left of my garage, as I was standing in front of it, I knew I was looking at something that could not be doing what it was doing. It made no sound, but I felt scared. As it passed over me, I could feel something crawling over me like something scratching my skin. All I could do was watch as it passed over me and out of sight. When I could no longer see it, I just stood there. I looked down at Captain, and he was cowering at my feet, like as if I had yelled at him. I yanked his collar and he got up and started this crazy barking along with other dogs in the neighborhood, even the other three dogs in the house. I went inside and was going to wake my wife, but met her at the door. She was crying because she said she had this really bad headache and it woke her up and she couldn't find me. I told her what I had seen and she just brushed it off. We went online looking for recent sightings and found you guys. So that's my story. Man, it reminded me of last week's episode on the Kentucky Goblins, the uh, taloned finger that just, like, scratched his head, like, yeah. tickled his head. Tick, hey, tick, tick, I'm what up it, here. What, it, what if aliens are just, like, pranksters? Like, that's it. Just... <laughs> aliens are actually just an advanced, uh, futuristic form of humans, and we discovered time travel. We did what we wanted to do, and then we were like, man, there's nothing else to do. Want to just go mess with people? Yeah, do you want to go toy with them like we do with yeah. cats? 
Like, yeah, you want to go toy with them? Hey, I got this idea. We'll use these cloaking devices that make us look like little three-foot-tall goblin people. Yeah. That'll get them. Dude, because that's what I do with my cats all the time. Like, I mess with them all the time, especially <laughs> if they're, like, zoned out. Yeah. I am going to, like, just tickle the back of their neck and make them jump 30 feet in the air. Like, what if that's all paranormal? It's just time travelers that's what with I'm cloaking yeah, devices. Yeah, with cloaking devices just trying hey, to scur us. Remember when we were kids, we heard about Bigfoot? Well, <laughs> I'm going to cloak myself as a Bigfoot. <laughs> They keep calling me Dog Man. I'm confused. <laughs> One of them called me the Hillbilly Beast. <laughs> I find offense to that. I like my cargos. Yeah, you guys should try being called a Goat Man. <laughs> <laughs> they don't even know if I'm a goat or a sheep, man. <laughs> they just call you Goat Man. <laughs> goat and the man. other guy's like, man, well, I'm wild. I'm a wild man. <laughs> we know, Frank. We know. I'm a wild man. All right, Frank. Lay back down. Take your meds. <laughs> You don't give Frank the device. Nope, don't give Frank the device. Well, thank you so much, Brad, for uh, this week's spooky news. Oh, yeah. All right, so uh, this week we are into the uh, Ghost Stories of Kentucky Counties uh, episodes again. Uh, This week we are visiting Union County, Kentucky. Uh, And so a little backstory on Union, (laughs) well, not backstory, but a little uh, info on Union County, Kentucky. Union County is a county located in Kentucky. Uh, It has a population of approximately around 15,000 people. Its county seat is in Morgan. Yeah, it's pretty small. Its county seat is Morganfield, Kentucky, and the county was formed in January 15th of 1811. Hmm. Now, what's interesting about this county is, is that it is located on the Ohio River uh, opposite the mouth of the Wabash River. Hmm. Union County, alongside with neighboring Posey County, Indiana and Gallatin County, Illinois form the tri-point of the Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky tri-state area. That's awesome. Yeah, so this is right on the river, and it's super close, you know. Well, like, a, lot of, a lot of paranormal happens in areas of threes. Yes, So when you have sure. these three bodies of water and three uh, land masses connecting, that, that can create a lot of power. You darn Skippy. Don't call me Skippy. <laughs> I hate it when my dad called me Skippy. Well, he called you Skippy? No. I just oh, I, it up I, I was like, I'll call you Jif instead. Jif? Eh, yeah. Eh. Uh, extra crunchy, please. Extra crunchy. Uh, anywho, uh, so we've got a number of stories from different sources, as well as our great book. Thank you, Ben Hagen, for letting us borrow this. Ghost Across Kentucky from William Linwood Montel. Now, here's what's funny. I was doing research at work during my lunch break. And, uh, Good save. My, yeah, <laughs> in case you're listening, boss. Uh, my coworker comes up to me. He's like, hey, I know that book. And he was talking about how uh, when he was a kid, you know, they uh, went on a field trip. And it was when one of the gift shops at one of the places they went to in Kentucky. And he bought it. He says it's one of his favorite books of all time. Oh, special. And yeah, so he's very anxious to tune in now. Now. Uh, you know, yeah. <laughs> now that he's got a connection to it. But um, I thought that was really cool. Uh, so we're going to get started with some stories. Let's do it. From uh, Union County, Kentucky. The first one I have is from the book uh, Ghosts Across Kentucky. This one is called Indian Joe's Ghost. Not to be considered with Indian bills, not ghosts. Yeah. (laughs) One night, me and my best friend Vader were out cruising in the country. Just something to do after the drive-in movie was over. We decided to take the long way home from Morganfield to Sturgis by the way of Boxville. That night was really nice. The sky was as clear as a bell, and the moon was so bright that it was almost like daytime. We were cruising along without a worry on our minds, with the windows rolled down and the tape player blaring out some Hank Williams Jr., when all of a sudden we heard a noise outside of the car. 
We didn't know what the noise was, so we cut off the tape to see if something was going wrong with the old car I was driving. The sounds weren't coming from the car. And all around us, we could hear horses running and chains rattling like they were being dragged on the pavement. We looked all the way around us, but we couldn't see a thing. The sounds got louder and louder until we couldn't hear ourselves talk or even think. Needless to say, we weren't sticking around to investigate any further. And thanks to my old 1976 Mercury Comet and my heavy tennis shoes, it didn't take but about two minutes flat to finish out the journey home. The next morning when we got to school, we found out about the Indian Joe story. A story that apparently everybody else at school had heard about, but we had not. Indian Joe was accused of stealing horses in Union County in the late 1800s and then hanged by local men in the area where it took place. Whether or not Indian Joe actually stole horses is still an unsettled argument with the locals. Guilty or not, he was hanged for the crime. And ever since he was hanged, people have been too scared to travel that road much at night because of the unexplainable noises they often hear. It is also said that at night on the far side of Daisy May Lake, sometimes you can actually see his body hanging from the tree from which they hanged him almost a century ago. That's like the worst feeling in the world is to come into your classroom and be like, I heard this story. And they're like, yeah, we know we've heard it. Way to go, buddy. (laughs) Wow, you're so welcome. That's what the rental fund have. I I just had bad flashbacks. (laughs) Oh, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that. Dang, I have to go cry in a corner now. Uh, we're going to take five minutes. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so Brad can go cry in a corner. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I, I, so that one seems more like a residual haunting. Yeah. Um, it's something that's just, you know, replayed over and over. These horses being stolen, the, the chains dragging behind, the whips. <laughs> it's like you can time when that horses are going to be stolen. Yeah, they're like, um, Tuesday at three. Yep, what, there go the horses. What time is it? 3.07. Yep, there they are. Yep, that's them. They're gone. Here they come. Uh, but I, I and even the hanging, now that that is definitely residual. Yeah, I mean, so these are residual. Uh, you know, he may not have been stealing; he could have been, you know, re- getting revenge on these borrowing. Folks. And we don't, we don't know. I don't horses. even know about borrowing, but maybe like they had hurt him in some way or something or other. Because that seems like an awful lot of horses. To- <laughs> yeah. Like one, maybe you're one guy. I'd like that. I could see. I think he was just letting them go. Yeah, <laughs> you done me wrong. Opens the gate. Buy horsies. <laughs> <laughs> Indian, that dang old Indian Joe. <laughs> <laughs> he opened the gate again. He left the. What are we trying to heat the whole neighborhood, Indian <laughs> Joe? <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's get with the next story we've got. Uh, this one comes from where? This one comes from ghostsofamerica.com. Such a great website. It's really, really great. Submitted by. James R. Awesome. My great-grandmother's childhood home, she was born in 1936, has been known as one of the most haunted places in the town. Many issues with the current owners, cousins. They have items within the house moved around, and the doors and windows will open late at night, even with secured locks over both. But the main two issues happened to my grandmother and I. The first involved her recently deceased brother, who was a Kentucky State Trooper. One day, she and her sisters were playing cards in the kitchen, 
and heard the door open, and then the distinctive noise of the chaps the state police wore at the time. They called out to him that they were in the kitchen and told him to come visit before he left. The noise of walking continued, but he never entered the room. They called out several times and eventually went into the living room and found that he was not in the house, but that the door was wide open and his extra pair of trooper boots were sitting in the middle of the floor, not in the closet where they usually stayed. The second occurrence was over 50 years later, when I was a young child. Me and my grandma were cleaning out the old house and I was playing with an inflatable globe. I was young and was unable to judge my bounce, so the globe ended up falling down three floors into the basement through the exposed stairwell. I was turning around to go after it when I saw the ball had already come to a stop, go into the air, and then be slammed against the wall. Then I saw a white apparition cross through the exposed area that seemed to be looking at me. It was wearing overalls and looked like a farmer. I can safely say that was the ghost of my great-grandmother's father, who was a farmer before he died and long before I was born. He was also the man who built this house where this occurred, and I believe he has yet to pass on. Ooh. So the the first one about the uh, the state trooper, them like hearing the door open and like hearing his boots and all that, mm-hmm. like are they saying he'd already passed away at that time? Yeah. So they were like welcoming the spirit in pretty much, like hey, come on in, hang out with us. Yeah, shaman. Whew. Man, uh, like here's the thing, like I almost want to say it's residual, but the boots showing up in the, the middle, the boots that seems intelligent. It seems intelligent that he's able to move the boots mm-hmm. and carry them and. Uh, just like that. And I love the interesting that, uh, you know, we're very familiar with the sounds of our our people. Yeah, we are. And they had become very familiar with the sound of the chaps that mm-hmm. the state troopers wore. And so that one's kind of cool, too. So, like, they're yeah. already like, we have no state troopers here. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, okay, it's him. It's him. The, the globe was really cool, too, and the great-grandfather. Yeah, I wasn't expecting an apparition. So no. I'm just thinking, like, oh, she's just watching, like, Waverly, like, the ball's getting moved around yeah. and things like that. But no. Nah. No, nah, apparition, <laughs> bro. The, the, the dude's like, you need to quit playing in my house. Pretty much. That's That could be an intelligent one as well. Like, mm-hmm. hey, don't bounce the ball in the house. I done told you, boy. Like, I've never met you before. <laughs> Who are you? I'm your great great granddaddy, and I'll whoop you. Uh, all right, I won't bounce the ball anymore. <laughs> Second, the ghost uh, like dissipates away. He grabs the ball, gets ready to throw it. Ghost reappears. I said no. Okay, disappears again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so I got another story from uh, Ghost Across Kentucky. And uh, this one says this. When I was growing up in Uniontown, located in Union County along the Ohio River, one of my favorite scare-you-to-death booger stories... Wait, that's booger. (laughs) (laughs) What are my my booger stories? I can't say booger. Keep that in. (laughs) Uh, Okay. It's fun. Uh, when I was growing up in Uniontown, located in Union County along the Ohio River, one of my favorite scare you to death boogeyman stories that us kids would tell in order to scare each other until we didn't have a lick of common sense left was the story about a man named Moses Staten. He was an old fellow who lived down in a river bottom. According to the story, Staten and his wife had a farm in the river bottoms. One day when he was out in the field working, a storm quickly blew in. Moses was running from the middle of the field toward the house when lightning struck a tree in front of them, sending a large limb right down on top of his head. 
He was knocked unconscious and was never the same man again. Legend has it that after the accident, he totally went crazy. He locked up his wife in the attic of the house, and every time she had a baby, he would bash it against a tree, then feed it to the hogs. The townspeople went and gathered him up one afternoon, and he was hanged in Morganfield in front of nearly everyone from the entire county. When we all started getting up in our later teen years, we decided to be brave and go to the house and scream, Baby, baby, cry for me! To see if we could get the babies to cry like we had heard others say that they had got the babies to cry. We drove out one night, and about four of the six of us got out of the car. We were pretty scared, but we said the words anyway. No sooner had we said, cry for me, baby, baby, cry for me, until sprays of tiny river rocks came pounding down upon our heads. We got into the car and drove so fast that I thought the engine would blow any second. We never knew where the rocks came from. At first, we thought that a group of our rowdy friends had followed us out there, but we soon found out for sure that they hadn't. And after all that happened... None of us were brave enough to take a second trip to that old home place where the babies reputedly died. Jeez. Just throwing sticks. Throwing pebbles. I'm like, the last person I want to mess with is a baby basher. Yeah. Like, if you're that gone in the head, like... I don't want to be your friend. Yeah, I don't want to... No. Get out. Get out, boy. Get out. Like I just I just don't want to deal with that. <laughs> I don't have time for that anymore. I don't want to I don't want to be I, I just don't want to be around that. I don't want to be that guy, but I don't want to be around that. I mean, he's lucky or they're lucky that that's all that happened that they just had like some pebbles. <laughs> yeah, especially if it was a like, you know, this guy was as evil as they say and he had passed on, most times those become demonic dark entities. Sure. So, you know, hey, pebbles, you got lucky. I've I've seen videos of like bricks being thrown. Yeah, I've, bricks and I've heard stories of, of like possession scratches. Or be lucky that like you know since his incident uh, was with a large tree branch, be lucky that he's not chucking branches at you or something. Chucking squatch branches. Squatch branches. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I I don't know crazy but i mean you know when we're young we all do that yeah we you know louisville's got a legend you know uh that we'll talk about one day the hot rod haven and stuff like that and we used to go up oh, there yeah. all the time you know and we shouldn't have and we we're tearing through there at speeds that are not safe and never went there never never, uh, we never should, allowed to we should take well we should take a trip i don't think my mom would let me <laughs> still <laughs> 29 i think she'll still be like no you can't go and i'll be like okay <laughs> All right, Mama, Mama Brad, if Mama you're listening, Brad. Uh, uh, we are asking for uh, permission for. Can Brad come play at Hot Rod uh, Haven Brad with us? Go to Hot Rod Haven with us. Go ahead and send your permission uh, to uh, WCHQFM.com uh, somewhere on there. Just, uh, not to the Fear Escape stories. Just, just somewhere us. on there. Uh, just go ahead and click yes. Uh, look, let me get Ed's email address. We'll send it yeah, to Ed. Yeah, we'll send it to Ed. Pretty sure it's just Ed at. WCHQFM.com. Uh, <laughs> so send all your permissions to Ed at WCHQFM.com. Oh, the listeners are going to start sending permission slips to Ed. And it's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, all right. So the next story that we have comes from, once again, Ghosts of uh, a Ghost Across Kentucky. This one is called The Ghost of a Woman and Her Dog. 
Bow wow. Yippee yo, yippee yay. Oh, that's copyright. No. Uh, I'm sampling it. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> the ghost of a woman and her dog. Woof! On June 15th of every year, between 11 p.m. and midnight, if you sit at the four-way stop in Sturgis, you will see a sight that will absolutely raise the hairs on the back of your neck. My grandfather, G.W. Holt, was 90 years old when he died. I'm 29 years old, and all the years I knew him, he never told a lie. And he told me about this. Back when he was a little boy, there was this woman there in Sturgis, who walked her dog every night at about 11 p.m. There, in the middle of town, there's a four-way stop now, but it used to be a stoplight in the through street. On one corner, there's a Presbyterian church. On the other corner, a service station. This woman walked her dog, a big white German shepherd, from this Presbyterian church across the street and on down to her house. She'd walk up and then walk back home to give her dog exercise before she went to bed. Well, one night on June 15th, a long time ago, as she was walking across the street, a man ran a red light and hit her and her dog, and the woman died. The man didn't stop, didn't even slow down. Every night since that took place, if you go down there and sit on the opposite corner, you can hear the woman walking across the street from the Presbyterian Church to the gas station. By the time she gets from one corner to the other, you can see her and her dog. Then, they disappear. Wow. That, uh, That's it, residual. What a jerk. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. This probably has nothing to do with anything, but I was clo- I like to close my eyes when you're reading and really just kind of hear the story. I thought you were napping. No, and uh, uh-huh. you ever Stephanie close your me. eyes and you kind of like see the electricity behind your eyes or whatever? Yeah, and it kind of can form things. Yeah, it can form things. And like, so I close my eyes and I look and I see the vision of like a Rottweiler, hmm. which I thought was really weird. Did say she had a German Shepherd? I don't know what she said well, she had, but either I mean, way. it's a dog. Like, yeah. I saw a dog, and it just looked like a Rottweiler to me, but I just thought that was really odd. <laughs> I wasn't trying to form anything or look. I was just closing my eyes, and I just happened to notice that the little shape in there looked like a dog. <laughs> That's so weird. But, yeah, you know, if you think about the uh, Monroe County story uh-huh. of the dog, that one was fired up. Oh yeah, the one that like followed its owner's murderer. Yeah, until and, like like he eventually died, yeah. or he turned himself in. Turned himself in, yeah. yeah. And so that then he was cool, and he even saw him sitting in the courtroom, yeah, sitting off in the corner. Uh, uh, but after he went to jail, like the dog uh, still comes out of the creek. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna now this dog, dog, this dog's just like I'm gone. No, gone, gone. But yeah, like what a, I, I, you know, and this is a another PSA is people stop hitting and running. Yeah, deal with the consequences. Stop running red lights. Stop hitting because stop if running. anything uh, is that we've discovered through this radio show and our podcast and and our life experiences is and movies is that they gonna haunt you. Oh, they gonna come for you. They gonna come for you. So face your consequences now. You can either face the consequence of the law or the supernatural law. Or the supernatural law, <laughs> which in some ways is much scarier. Yeah, you're gonna have an orangutan creature hanging from your ceiling. Yeah. Oh, well, that sounds like I did something bad. <laughs> yeah, I was about to ask you, what did you do? 
<laughs> You'll never know. I mean, I will when you write your book. That's true. That's true. <laughs> My book is upside down. The orangutan creature. <laughs> the tangerang. Call it the now tang. What tang. The tangerang of Union County. Um, so uh, the next story that I have is uh, not uh, a ghost, hmm. but it's another Sasquatch sighting. Squatch. The more and more that we're researching Squatch Kentucky, 2019. the <laughs> more and more we're finding Bigfoot sightings. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of uh-huh. not just Bigfoot sightings, but a lot of paranormal activity that happens in Kentucky. It's quite crazy. Yeah, like, the the, Sa- the Sasquatch sightings are they're everywhere. They're off the chain. Uh, but this one uh, is called the Slack Farm Incident. I thought you were going to say the Squatch Farm Incident for some reason. No, uh, and um, there are actually two accounts here. Um, I, uh, I I got this from um, I, I didn't write it down and I apologize, uh, but it's like a, a Bigfoot sightings website mm-hmm. uh, and um, one for Kentucky specifically. Oh, I know exactly what site you're talking about. It might just be it's called like, KentuckyBigfoots.com or something like that. Well, well I'll, I'll find it and then I'll share it after the story. Okay, uh, but yeah, you can also just look in the Slack Farm incident; it might pop up. Uh, but yeah, there 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 were actually a couple sightings, um, but I just grabbed the two the most. Uh, that I found, uh, but they they're at the same farm. So here we go. The infamous Slack Farm on Dyke Road, traveling away from the Ohio River in Uniontown, Kentucky. Immediate to the left and stretching to the tree line, witness the scene of the largest North American grave desecration in history, strange animal mutilations, and the reputed home of a Bigfoot. Directly behind the viewpoint lies the Dykes and the Uniontown boat dock, scene of the 1996 sighting of a 10-foot-tall gorilla-like creature. Uniontown, Kentucky has a long tradition of Bigfoot activity. Some of the locals I've spoken to simply refer to these unknown creatures as gorillas. One woman had nighttime Bigfoot sighting on Dyke Road. As it walks unhurriedly across the road and disappears into the tree line which runs along the Ohio River. She described it as around 10 feet tall with long arms and covered with long woolly hair. It was broad shouldered, narrower at the waist, and had a gorilla like head with no neck. Her husband and son, commercial fishermen, had heard this creature many times previously as it splashed about in the shallow waters just off the shore of a large island in the river where they fished. This area has a long history of Bigfoot activity. Interestingly, it is the site of the largest concentration of desecrated Native American burial mounds in the world and the largest known burial site in Kentucky. Over 1,200 graves belonging to the Angel Medina culture were desecrated and looted in the 1980s. The crime garnered national attention and consequently massive protests from Native Americans across the U.S. Hundreds of representatives soon descended en masse on the area to hold rituals as they reinterred their ancestors back into what they considered sacred land. In the late 1990s, I was able to sneak into the area known locally as the Slack Farm and have a look around this magical place. Some stealth was required since the grave desecrations, which resulted in the nation's first lengthy prison terms for crimes against the indigenous dead. The area was highly restricted and trespassers were promised immediate jail terms as well. Nonetheless, my friends and I were able to spend several hours unnoticed as we walked the far end of the ridge, which sat below a large forested hill. 
As we walked along a small creek which emptied into the Ohio, we came upon the carcasses of about ten dead pigs. They were ripped to pieces and strewn over the entire lower end of the ridge. They appeared to be fresh, despite the curious absence of blood, and none of the meat looked as if it had been eaten. After this, an extremely uncomfortable feeling came over us like we were being watched, and we decided it would be best to leave. Union County, Sturgis, Kentucky, 1983, near the Peabody Coal Mines. What I saw that Christmas Eve evening while traveling through the back roads of Sturgis, it had patchy hair, mainly in patches on the shoulders and back, and it had a full tangled head of hair spreading around its neck and patches on its upper chest also. No tail and no hair in the genital area. It was thin and lean. You could tell it had a big bone structure, but the flesh was thin on its body like it was unhealthy. When it turned to run in the opposite field, its body was muscular, even though it was rather thin in stature. I would estimate its height to be somewhere between 6 foot 2 and 6 foot 5, and around 145 or 150 in weight. I realize that this is rather small to be classified as a Bigfoot, but maybe it had some sort of disease or malnutrition disorder. Their ribs were showing, like it was starved. Also, the area below around the hip was slightly sunken in, showing the pelvic bone structure. Now, here's its facial features. The face was sunken and shallow, and it had a wide nose, a large lip area around the mouth, and the canines were a bit shorter. I didn't notice any lower canine sticking up, and the face was gaunt and sunken in, the flesh sticking to the bone structure. The eyes were red, but I'm sure that was from the headlight shining in its face. It did have blood around its mouth, on its teeth, and running down its chin and chest, and on its hands and lower arms. The eyes shone fiery red, with no white around the pupils, just solid red, glowing in the light like a captured animal in the dark. Wild, very long brown hair fell from its head in thick tangles along its white skin, down its back and over its shoulder. It appeared to be a man, and it was naked. Its flesh, as milky as the snow around its bare feet, were raised up on its toes, as if preparing to pounce. Its back hunched over slightly. Its muscles were tight, solid outlines resembling finely chiseled Italian marble. No doubt they would have had been hard to the touch as well as cold. One of the upper leg muscles trembled like a horse's does after a hard race. It stood staring at me through the windshield. I could see the exhales of breath, large clouds of warm air coming from its mouth in a fast rhythm as it rested from running through the fields. The hair on the neck and shoulders was in patches, like hunks taken out all over. There were sprigs of long hair hanging from the elbows and along the backbone from the neck down to the crack of its Heiny. Its hair was dark brown, and I don't know if you can add this, but it had what appeared to be leaves stuck in at places. It was a tangled mess, very unruly, and the straggles that hung long by the face were twisted with blood, I assume, at the ends. Okay, so the website is uh, <laughs> KentuckyBigfoot.com. Where you find uh, a lot of their reports. Actually, they're they're ranked the number one Bigfoot source in Kentucky. Yeah, so we had two stories Jeez. there, and there were a bunch just on that area, like I said. Um, it makes know, me think of maybe that wasn't a Bigfoot, that last one. It could, but it reminds me of when we talked about um, the wild man of Kentucky. Yeah. 
it very much resembled that, you know. Um, but I mean, he's naked, you know, like it just. But she said its face was not human; like it was more gorilla looking, you know. And it was, but it was white, you know. Like it, I don't know that that would that last one of the two that were just shared. That last one freaks me out the most. Well, yeah, I mean, he's got blood. He's malnutrition. Like, I don't know. And if there's any correlation to the first story, the one that happened in the 90s, mm-hmm. it was like, apparently it just kills pigs. And it's like, well, I don't know what to do with these. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it knows its instinct to kill, but it's not like, to do eat. I, do I eat it? Do I? Ah, I make puppets. I make puppets with them. Y'all, look at these puppets. <laughs> All the puppets. Man, it's just it's it's, it, and let's play skeptic. You know, let's say it's it's like just a a man in the woods. Maybe it's yeah. like a Tarzan type. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if so, somebody go out there and help this dude. He's hungry. <laughs> like, or don't go near him because if he has nothing to lose, he doesn't care what happens to you. He does not care what happens at all. Uh, so. Man, I, I don't know. The the Sasquatch stories are interesting. Well, most of them you hear about old Squatch being like eight feet, nine feet, ten feet tall. Mm-hmm. This this last one was like like my height. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, uh, he's the runt. I, maybe or just human or like I said in the one, maybe a hybrid. Maybe maybe in the uh, Sasquatch world that we don't fully understand. If you're a runt, you're not allowed in the tribe, so you have to fend for yourself. Ooh, mm. that definitely happens in in animal culture. Like mm-hmm. you know, the runts they Good luck. end up dying a lot of times. Yeah, uh, you on your own? <laughs> Sorry, bruh. Except this one, apparently he's uh, he's thriving. Yeah, kind of, kind of. He's yeah, he's got rashes everywhere and <sighs> yeah. All kinds of stuff. He could have found somebody's meth lab, though. <laughs> oh man, we well, I, God, now I'm like imagining Sasquatch doing meth, <laughs> like just running around high as a kite. Like <laughs> I found the blue. That's why. That's why their voices go up at the end. They're yeah. like, because they're high, man. They're just like <laughs> lit on meth, dude. So uh, PSA: If you guys are out in the woods and you're doing meth, don't leave it out there for the squatchers yeah they, it doesn't do them well it does they not. get skinny and rashes it does not do them well uh <laughs> all right so the the next story we have comes from our ghost across kentucky book and uh what's this one called this one is called the ghost of a teenage girl Ooh. there's an old story that goes around till this day about the old fire tower that was located not far off Highway 56, going out of Morganfield. The tower was on one of the old abandoned gravel roads that used to run along through there. It is said that years ago, a young teenage girl climbed to the top of the tower for reasons unknown to anyone, even her own family, and jumped to her death. That was a long time ago, so the story goes, but on occasions her ghost is still spotted by local teenagers who go out to cruise and hang out in that part of the county. The ones who claim that they see the ghost of the girl will insist that, periodically, around midnight on certain nights of the year, the dead girl repeats her act of suicide all over again. They swear that they can hear her blood-curdling screams as she falls. Sometimes, even you see her falling to her death from the tower. But she always disappears just before her body hits the ground. They swear that's a true happening. Man, so 
another residual, obviously. Yeah, obviously. It doesn't seem like there's interaction here. Just before the point of death. Yeah, so that's what's interesting, too. So it makes you wonder if she passed out before or something like, you know, or what. You or know. maybe if it is a residual, like, because residuals like recordings. So maybe the time, the moment of death is hitting the stop button. So just before you die, yeah. stop. So the residual might not show the actual full fall. Once again, just speculating. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's like extra creepy. Like, I don't know why that makes it extra creepy. Stop and replay is essentially what a residual haunting is. Somebody hitting stop and replay over and over again. And notice it says on on certain nights. It's not every night it happens. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, man, I'd, I, I really wish we had um, documentation of when. Yeah. You know, is, is it a residual in terms of the time and date? Mm-hmm. Is it residual during certain, like, moon phases or yeah. whatnot? You know, is it is it is it something like that? I would, I would love to see what triggers it. Yeah. It's probably... Or if it's just happening, we don't even see it. Because that's the question. It's like, if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around to hear it, it doesn't make a sound. Yes. Do residual hauntings happen when no one's around? I would say yes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's just, uh, sorry, I, I had to pause for a second because I got super scared. Yeah, he saw a reflection of uh, a person outside and thought it was behind him. But yeah, it, it was not. It was in the <laughs> other window, and it, I, it, I'm sorry, I got We have windows scared. in our studio. Yeah, we do. Uh, so, anyways. Anywho. Yeah, anywho, anyways, uh, another story that we've got for you, uh, comes from... Ghost across Kentucky. Burp, 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 burp. I think they're official sponsor at this point. Yeah, they should be. I should reach out to this guy because he's got a couple more books. Uh, but this one is called Off and On Lights and Television. About 30 miles from Sturgis, there's a little town of Marion. On the main drag at Marion is a big, beautiful white house with a screened-in front porch. It's really a good-looking house in real good shape, but no one will live in it more than two or three days. I've talked with one person who lived in it for one day, then moved out the very next day. She couldn't take it. I personally have gone over there and sat in front of the house at night to watch what went on. It appears that the spirit of a man who lived there is still there. The night that a bunch of us girls went over, we told our moms that we were going to stay all night at each other's houses. We ended up at Marion across the street from this old house, and the weirdest thing happened. There's no lights or water in that old house. They're never turned on unless someone lives in it. The house was totally empty, and we were sitting there. And all of a sudden, the lights came on upstairs and down. The water sprinkler came out in the yard, and we saw shadows moving in front of the windows in the house. I talked with one of the women who lived there, and she told me about the time when she was sitting in front of her television set. they just moved in, and she was taking a break, drinking a cup of coffee. She had a coffee table in front of the couch, and an end table at each end of the couch. And she had, of course, little knickknacks sitting around. Well, she was sitting there watching TV, when all of a sudden this little candle holder on her right side there on the end table just picked up, floated over, and then sat down on the coffee table in front of her. She thought that maybe she had been working too hard and was seeing things. So she picked up the candle holder and put it back on the end table. But then the same thing just happened again. 
she called her husband in there, then put it back on over the table. Believe it or not, the same thing happened again. And so he said to his wife, well, we're tired. We've worked too hard, moved in one day, and we're still working. Let's go to bed. They got ready for bed and went to turn off the TV, but the TV went off of its own accord. He walked over and checked the plug. It was all right. So he turned on the TV again and was standing there looking at it. Then all of a sudden, it turned back off. So whatever it is that is in that house, turn that TV off. I guess the spirit of the old man who once lived there heard them say it was time to go to bed, so he was just trying to help them out. So the candle... The old man's like, oh, you little used to use some light. Here you go. She's like, oh, no, thank you. Puts it back on the table. Like, no, 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 I insist. Oh, honey, candle. Oh, put a bugger. We're just tired. And then the ghost's like, oh, no, no, no. Let's, let's, I insist. I, I love that the old man is more freaked out by the TV turning off than his wife's story of a candle that's <laughs> floating in the air and landing on the coffee table. Oh, honey, we're just imagining things. <laughs> The TV cut off. Oh my god, the TV cut off. Call the Warrens. (laughs) You call. (laughs) Like, but it's just like we were talking about one time. It's like, how no one ever believes the other person. Yeah, until it happens with both people in the room. Like, come on, man. Like, it's kind of been like my experience with my wife and like the paranormal experiences that happen in our house sometimes. You know, I would tell her about things happening and she was like, oh, well, okay. Well, when it happens to me, we'll see. And then we had an incident happen and she was like, I believe you. Sure. Nod, nod. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But that orangutan, though, that's hanging from your ceiling fan. Yeah. You might want to get that checked. You might want to get that checked. So the last story that we have for Union County uh, comes once again from our new uh, sponsor, apparently. Uh, Ghosts Across Kentucky <laughs> from William Linwood Montel. This one is called The Girl Who Keeps Vanishing. Oh, she's gone again. (laughs) So we have a little restaurant in town that all the teenagers refer to as a greasy spoon or Tomaine Palace. But a long time ago, it was referred to as the Sturgis Cafe. We get a lot of traveling salesmen in here. My dad and I were up there when this guy came in and sat down at the table with us and started talking to my dad. He told about the eerie incident that happened to him on this route that he makes. He comes through Union County, then goes down through Murray, goes down into Tennessee, cuts back up to Bowling Green, and comes back up through this way. Anyway, I was a little bitty kid when he and my dad were sitting there talking. He told about the time that he was right outside a little town close to Nashville, and he saw this beautiful blonde woman standing alongside the road. She had on a long, beautiful dress. They were about a half a mile outside of this town, and he stops and asks her if he can give her a ride into the town. She said, yes, I'd appreciate it. So she got into the car, so he took her into town and asked her where she wanted to go. She said, just take me down the street and turn there by the big church sitting there on the corner. You can just let me out there. So he pulled up in front of the church. It was very dark. There was nobody in the church. No lights were on. He asked, Are you sure that this is the church you want to go to? She said, yes, it is. Well, he let her out. He went in and made his route. Well, he let her out and he went on, made his route. About three months later, he approached this town at practically the same time as it was when he was through here the last time. 
Well, so help me, the woman was standing alongside of the road again. Long, beautiful blue dress, pretty blonde hair. He stopped. He said, hey, do you remember me? She, she said, no, I don't. He said, well, I gave you a ride the last time I came through. Can I offer you a ride to town again? And she said, yes, you can. She gets into the car and he asks her, where do you want to go this time? She said, the same place. He said, you mean that big old church? She told him, yeah. So he takes her to the church, pulls up, and again, it's pitch black dark. There's nobody there. She gets out and she goes in. Three months later, the same thing happens again. He picked up the lady, took her to the church, but it upset him so much that there was nobody there that he decided to stop to make sure that everything was all right. So he stopped at this little diner, got out, went in, and talked to the guy at the bar. Told him about the strange thing that had happened to him at least three times he had come through here. Funny look came over this guy behind the counter. He turns real white and he says, Charlie, I don't want to upset you, but that woman has been dead for three or four years. And there's been two or three people that have seen her out on the road just like you did. I'd advise you the next time that you come through, just don't stop. Just keep right on going. We had a similar one like that with one of the episodes we just did. I can't remember which one it was on. They're all starting to blend together. Where uh, these kids or these guys picked up this girl. The Meshack Road. Meshack Road and mm-hmm. went to a party with her and then like dropped her off in the middle of nowhere. Where she yeah, wanted to be dropped off at. It's interesting because um, these, these ghosts seem like a combination of residual and intelligent. Yeah, like they... Almost like they're on this weird autopilot that they... They know where they have to go. They can't stop themselves from going there, but they can still, like, contact and have, like, a conversation with you. So, you know, you could get in the vehicle with this ghost and have a different conversation every time you're taking them to the same location mm-hmm. over and over again. Um, at first, honestly, when you were reading that story, I thought, okay, this is just a hitchhiking lady that loves that church, even though it's abandoned and dark. She just likes to go there. I was like, I don't see this being very paranormal. And then the second you said the whole she's been dead for three or four years. I'm like, <laughs> dang it. I can't just be a and person wanting to go to a bar. And it's recent, Church. like, to these people. Yeah. Like, this was re- – if she had just been dead three or four years ago, I mean, that's recent. That's a recent haunting, which uh, uh, we talked about, um, I think, during the Monroe County episode where we were talking about does it take a while for the energy. That's why we see them yeah. in old clothes and things like that. Well, here's a case – of a woman that just passed on three, four years prior. And there's been some stuff I've seen lately. Um, one was where a, a kid had passed away and his mom, like a week later, caught him on like a security camera, like his ghost in the house. Oh, yeah. And that alone tells me that maybe there is no actual time limit. Right. Maybe I, it can I, be like immediately. I think maybe we talked about that on uh, the podcast in one of the spooky news or something. Uh, not that one. Or maybe we just talked about it between me, you and Kelly. I think we just talked about it. Uh, like, but like yeah, separate. it's quite spooky. I, I'm pretty sure I shared that on our uh, Fearscape Facebook page. The story of that. Um, yeah, man, like. <sighs> You know, and that's the question that begs. It's like, do you want to see them? <laughs> yeah, like, I know, I know you miss them, but like the the dreams and stuff I had of my dad after he'd passed away. You know, I never actually saw a ghostly figure of him, but the dreams I had were like him pretty much telling me that if he had survived, 
this is how you would be. And in terms of these residuals or these intelligence, whichever one they end up being, I feel like it's almost a, uh, hey, if I was still here, given everything, this is what I would have been like. Do you, is this really how you wanted me to live? Mm -hmm. Is this really what you wanted for me? And, you know, we, we say we want to see our loved ones after they passed. But do we really? Yeah. Because it would scare me senseless. Exactly. That's the thing. And it's like, and as much as I believe and, they can't and want stay. to believe, yeah. And so then here's a question I have for you. So, uh, you know, we say, you know, that like my sister, she she pushes them to go towards the light. Yeah. Right. Do you think they can come back after they've gone to the light? Do you think, or is it like the spirits that are here that are intelligent hauntings? Because residuals, I don't think are actually the spirits. I think it's just... Uh, recording of the energy my yeah my thought between this plane and the spiritual plane and then the afterlife i feel like there's three planes three planes you have your where we are right now this existence after this you have your spiritual plane where you can reside between both worlds or no your uh how did i say it ghost plane so you have the physical where we are you have your Mm -hmm. ghost and you have your spiritual or no your afterlife okay correct so current spiritual and then afterlife right so when you're between the spiritual when you're in the spiritual realm i feel like going into that light you know the end of the tunnel essentially takes you into the afterlife and then whatever happens after that we don't know we have no idea if it's uh if it's if it's a god if it's an entity right or if it's just another plane of existence another life we don't know what it is from this point but i've never heard of anybody coming back after passing through well here's the thing i have like you know like you, you hear, have heard of it well because you like i well, I don't know. So, like, when my grandma Phyllis died, mm-hmm. um, my I wasn't there, but my mom and my sister were there. And the thing that they said is that as she was passing, she said, hey, it's Uncle Pete. Dude, you know? I got a story to tell you. Go ahead. You know what I mean? And she's yeah. like, he's right there, you know, but is that him just standing in the tunnel or was he there? Or you, you know, you hear those stories, um, but maybe it's just they've gotten so close to the light that they're mm-hmm. just now. I'm, I'm correcting myself, essentially. Yeah. Because um, like usually, yeah, the stories that you hear usually involve that light as well. So maybe mm-hmm. they're just able to look out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's one way street, but you can still peer out of it. Yeah. You know, almost like Coco. In a sense, like the movie Coco, where they can visit only the one time of year. And then the one guy didn't have any family members, so he's just stuck. Yeah. (laughs) But the story I was going to tell you, and this this is interesting, because now this plays in the whole idea of before you die, do you see the light and have the choice of going into the light or staying on this plane? You hear stories about it, for sure. And my grandmother, she passed from cancer. It was very... It was... It was, tre- It was. I don't know the best way to explain it, because we knew it was coming, we knew she was dying, we knew the day that it was pretty much going to happen. Um, so it wasn't, like, hard in cases, but it was still very difficult, emotional yeah. and difficult. The final moment, about, an, about a half hour before she passed away, I was in her bedroom, and family was surrounding her, and I was, I was staring at her. And she, she knew she was dying. She knew the time was coming. She was starting to take what we call the death breaths. The very slow, deep, like, final breaths. Um, I'm sure people who listen who are in hospital, you know what that is, that final breath. And she was looking at me, and she had tears in her eyes. And I was I was crying, too, because I'm, this is... Yeah, I was like, how old were you? Uh, I, was, uh, I was 18. Or no, no, I was... Wife and I had just gotten married. 
I was 20. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was 20 when this happened. So it's still very fresh in my mind. Um, and as I'm watching, you know, her take these final breaths, I'm crying. You know, you can tell that she is very hesitant on passing, even though it's coming. And I remember looking at her and we make eye contact and I go, Mama, it's okay. We love you. We're always going to love you. It's okay. If it's your time, it's your time. It's okay. And I just kept telling her it was okay. And we stopped. I, I was still locked eyes on her, but she looked just above my shoulder. There was nobody next to me on that side. And she looked just above my shoulder. And she gets this big smile on her face. And she just goes, okay. <laughs> and then she just kind of like slowly started to kind of fall asleep. And then went into that final, those final moments. And everybody else that was in that room... Um, I, I walked out of the room after that happened cause I like couldn't handle it anymore. I was like, all right, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm there for final moments, but I, I need to walk out for a second. And according to people that were in the room, she, uh, said George. <laughs> now people who listen to this don't know this. Um, my dad's name was Leo, but when my dad and my mom started dating, my dad was still married at the time. They were fooling around. So to keep the the anonymity of who he was, my grandma in social settings would call him George, and that nickname stuck my my entire life. That's funny. She would always call him George, and my mom and my dad were like best friends. So when um, when she said George, that's us thinking that my dad had come through that veil wow. and was like pretty much like, hey, come on, let's go. And then about half an hour later, uh, she took that final breath, and we've never had any paranormal incidents with her. Uh, I've done some investigating stuff, never caught an EVP, nothing. I think she truly, just the moment of death, forward. was like, hey, Well, that's she where didn't I have uncom- unaccomplished business because no. you guys all She were knew like, she was dying. Yeah, and you know, you guys all said how much you loved her and everything. Um, even, even my grandfather, who passed away about uh, four or five years ago, his, his fun, he, the way he went was very quick, very tragic, but I think he knew it was coming because of the kind of pain he was in. So after it happened, we never had any, well, I can't say I've never had any haunting experiences with him because I have caught glimpses of him out of corner of my, in my mom's house. Um, but I've never had any actual contact. So I think I might just be seeing things because there is a portrait of him in there. And I think I'm just catching that. And then my mind is putting a full body with it. Full body with it. Well, speaking of which, thank you for sharing your story. Oh, yeah. Uh, send in your listener stories to us. You want me to send it in right now? No, you're go good. I'm talking to it. our listeners. I'll send in your um, ghost stories, your stories just like Brad talked about, someone else experiencing something. We'll take those legends, lore. Send those to Fearscape Stories at WCHQFM.com. I'll read them in my serious voice um, if you want. Yeah. And so we're going to get to our listener story here in just one second, but quickly. Uh, where can they find us on social media? On the social medias uh, for the Fierce, for Fearscape and the Spooky Crew, including uh, our co-host on the podcast, Kelly. You can find us at Fearscape Pod on the Instagrams and the Twitters and also on Facebook. And then if you want to be a little more personal with us and see what we got going on, Stefan and I uh, do improv. We actually, we actually have a festival coming up in August, August, the end of August. Mm-hmm. Uh, just find me at improv. No, that's you. <laughs> you can find me at Bzilla underscore comedy on both. And then you can find our uh, improv group at Sidetracked uh, Improv 
on the Instagrams and Twitters. That's right. Uh, so our listener story comes from my sister. Oh, uh, and your improv is law. Oh, yeah. Improv is law. That's me uh, <laughs> on the Twitters and Instagrams. But yeah, this one comes from my sister, Trisha. And uh, so Trisha Murphy. So here we go. Okay, so Marion is my nanny that took care of us. We had a duplex. She lived on the top. We lived on the bottom. She eventually passed away. And um, I remember, like, I was at my friend Nikki's house who actually knew who she was. Um, We hadn't lived with her for, like, maybe 10 years. And I kept seeing her on the side of my eye. Like, it was freaking me out. And... Every time I seen her, I would tell my friend Nikki, I'd be like, did you see her? Like, I remember her at the bottom of my friend's stairs. And like, if I turned to look directly, she would disappear. But I'd always see her like in my peripheral vision on the side. And um, every time I asked my friend to look, she said she didn't see her. And it was just, it was freaking me out. It, I don't know how many times I seen her, but it was, it was several. I would say at least 10, 15 times. She was always there. And I was kind of freaked out by the whole thing. I didn't really like her. So I didn't know why she was, you know, coming to see me. So anyway, so one night I'm laying on my bed. And it's a big California King water bed. And I don't know if I fell asleep. I don't really feel like I was sleeping. I kind of feel like I was halfway in sleep, halfway out. And I look over and on the side of the bed where it's like wooden, she's sitting there. And I'm just like in shock and she's just staring at me. And I remember, and this is the only time this has ever happened to me. I remember like actually stepping out of my body, knowing that my body was laying on the the bed, which was weird. And I sat next to her and I said, can you please stop coming around me all the time? Like you were scaring me. And um, I said, why don't you go see your son, Tom? You know, he misses you and he hasn't seen you. And I would rather you do that. And she just gave me these eyes, you know, just um, these sad eyes. And she touched my shoulder. She just kind of smiled and she disappeared. And then boom, I was like right back into my body. And it was the craziest that ever happened to me. It was weird. And it just, it was very emotional. Whoa, that's my sister. Always creepy, but we are out of time. We can't even react. Because we are out of time. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. We are here every Sunday at 9 p.m. Uh, on WCHQ. Download the app so you can stream it. Uh, I have been Stefan, and I will catch you on the flip side. And I have been Brad, Mr. Brad. Brad, Brad, hold those blankies extra tight. Good night, folks.